Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast. Although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC Podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. This week, what a week. We played Leicester twice. We had heartache on the weekend and then redemption on the Tuesday. We're going to break it down as well as look ahead to the end of the season. So here are your hosts all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I am your host, Mikey, and today I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, Berth and Chris. How are we, guys? Hello. Yes, I'm really good, thank you. Been an eventful week, if you're a Chelsea fan as always, but I'm good. Looking forward to the podcast. Chris, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. It's Friday again. Another start of another weekend. Looking forward to our last game of the season. Let's get into it. I could not agree more. So we're going to snap the intro. We're going to head straight into the newsroom and see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. Well, I, I, it's a, it's been a double Leicester week, hasn't it? And I did make this joke before we came on air about that. I, was, I thought that'd be a great tagline for the episode. And then someone points out that he's not a cheese. Uh, it's apparently red Leicester. That's a cheese and double Gloucester cheese. So that pun was completely thrown out the window. But you can tell that that's silly. But you can certainly tell that we're coming to the end of the season when the silly transfer rumour machine starts going. Um, this is no Spurs podcast. Yeah, we don't do that. But we head to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Fuck's sake. Um, I wish I'd get a stack of sponsor already. But Harry Kane, he's told Daniel Levy that he wants to leave this summer, apparently, uh, quotes and uh, whatever, uh, in the pursuit of happiness. So that's trophies. Chelsea, we, we, we can deliver trophies. We, we won't talk about the FA Cup. But we've, we've shown an interest because why the fuck wouldn't we? I mean, he's amazing. And have you seen our forwards finishing? But yeah, the question is, how much would a deal cost? What, what, what do you guys think? I mean, look, Harry Kane is phenomenal and you could argue that he's definitely in the top three best strikers in the world at the minute um he's certainly england's best player um do i think he's going to go to chelsea and do i think Tottenham are going to sell him to chelsea no i personally don't think so i'd love him at chelsea don't get me wrong i think he would solve a lot of things and i think if we actually had him we'd win the league next season um 100 but i just think it's either going to be man city or man united where he goes obviously I hope that's not the case and I hope that he comes to Chelsea of course you do because he's a world-class player but I just see him going to a Man City or Man United to be honest Chris uh yeah I agree with Berth actually I I don't know whether Spurs would want to do that deal with us I don't know whether Harry Kane would want to come to us when you look at the connection the rivalry between Chelsea and Spurs now would a Spurs legend want to come to Chelsea and risk that with the fans I'm not so sure I think he'll end up at Man City or Man United but I still think it does us a favour either way because if one of them sign Harry Kane then that's one less club who are going for Haaland so I think either way it does us a favour I, I, I do agree with Bertha I think if we did manage to pull that deal off I do think we do win the league next year with Harry Kane I, I mean for me I, I think he'll be everyone's gone City United, Chelsea, I think he'll be playing for Spurs under-21 side because I just do not see Daniel Levy selling him to an English club, you know, um, let alone to a team they see as a direct rival. I mean, it's ambitious and I love the move, but it's just not going to happen. 
Um, one thing that sticks out is, remember Luka Modric. They could have got so much money from Chelsea for him. They sold him to Madrid for less just to prove a point that they won't sell to a rival yeah. or even even within their own league. I think the last player was probably Kyle Walker and that screwed them over badly. I, the next before that was probably Berbatov and that kind of screwed them as well. I mean, in a, in a way, I see the benefits of Kane, but his ankles are like made of glass. I mean, how many times does he have an ankle injury and he's out for three, four games? That's always a risk and his age and he's not that old, but it, I just don't see it happening. I think... It's just one of those no start. I don't think he'll leave Spurs, but we who knows? Who knows? Um, Chelsea, they've announced their player of the season and it's gone to one of our own, truly deserved, Mason Mount. That's a round of applause for him. Uh, no doubts. Uh, a quick word on Mason's season, guys. Uh, yeah, incredible. I don't think anyone um, was surprised when it got announced that he's player of the season. He's, he's been by far ahead of everyone else this season. He's been so consistent and he's just getting better and better and better. And... Um, yeah, I mean, he will be a future Chelsea captain. We've talked about him in long form, certainly parts now, but he truly is an incredible player, future Chelsea captain. And and this is just the start of an incredible Chelsea career, no doubt. And hopefully he can top it off of the Champions League. I mean, I wish they'd fucking tell Jamie and Gary over at Sky Sports because he weren't even in their team of the season, which is just abysmal. Just just not on. I won't have that. Um, Chris, thoughts on Mount's player of the season? Yeah, thoroughly deserved. Easily our most consistent player throughout the entire season. Real leader for someone of his age. I think uh, Graham Sooner said it, and we've said it a couple of weeks ago, that he doesn't play like a 22-year-old. He plays like a 28, 29-year-old who's been there and done everything. He's the one player I think our team can't play without. We've got a lot of talented players, but he's the one player who, when he doesn't play, you notice the most more than anyone. And I think that shows that he's head and shoulders above everyone in that squad at the minute. Yeah, that's just totally agree. He's been outstanding and he's carried us. And, you know, he hasn't carried us so much, but he certainly, without him in the team, you know, you, we're at a stage now where you don't see that name on the team sheet and you go, ah, oh, it's going to be a lot harder, which is great. Also bad, but it's great to see it. Also the fact that he's a local boy. It's like, finally, finally, we've got that next talisman to hang our hats on that was John Terry. We've now got Mason Mount. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It really, really is. Um, before we head into our game reviews, we, we'd like to bring some freshness to our show every now and then. Uh, this time we're bringing in a new segment as voted for by you listeners over on our Twitter account. It is called the Homer Simpson of the Week. Can't win, everybody. He's about to do something stupid. Now, if you'll excuse me, my fondue is just about... Ow! <laughs> See, we even have a nice jingle for it. Uh, the basics of this is each week, maybe one of us will put forward someone as our Homer Simpson of the week. It can be a player, an event or something else, which has just been completely stupid, idiotic, frustrating. You get the idea. Uh, this week, I feel it's kind of a tie. Um, the guys we spoke on the WhatsApp group, they kind of went with VAR. I think that was agreed, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. Yeah, um, it spoiled our fun in both the cup final and also in the league, but we'll touch on more on that in our reviews on that for me. But for me, it has to be that new home shirt. Just burn the shirt, burn that fucking shirt. We've had two cup finals across our male and female sides, two defeats. That's enough for me. Throw it out. It's, yeah. it's no, it's it's not good. Um, Mike, go sorry, Mikey. Just on that, I hate the fact now that clubs change their shirt at the end of the season before the season's finished. Oh, no. I've, all, I've always hated that. Next season shirt should be kept for next season. Yeah. Stop this. Stop forcing this shirt on us 
three weeks before the season's even finished. We've got all summer to worry about next season's shirt. Just keep playing in the kit that you're playing in now. And I'm so thankful that we're not wearing our home kit in the Champions League final because I'm pretty sure that Nike would have made it be that one. I think what if anyone thinks, well, we didn't do it last year, that was because of the sponsorship. Like, uh, yeah. switch over. We went from Yokohama Tires to three. And obviously, legally, they've got a contract till that exact date. You can't just go, I'm going to wear this kit. You can release a kit, but you can't. Yeah, it's one of them. Um, we did do it in 2008 before the Champions League oh, final. Oh, yeah, we did. Didn't we did. Shirt we did. In that Champions League final and lost. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's no. I, I mean, I have bought a new kit. I bought the um, when we won the Europa League with Hazard. Uh, not that one. That was It was the one after the Champions League because it's just so nice to get a retro kit. So, But yeah, I won't be buying the new season's kit. I'm sure I won't be. But we're going to be heading to Wembley to kick off our first review of the show. And don't worry, I won't put you listeners through the pain of the commentary. We lost 1-0, strike from Yuri Tillemans. It was amazing, but um, the strike, not the game. Much to discuss, but uh, guys, how did you see it? Uh, There's another cup final where we just didn't turn up. Um, I think if you look back at our past four epic cup finals now, um, so the Leicester game, the game against Arsenal last year, the one that we won under Conte and the one that we lost under Conte, which I happened to go to, unfortunately. Um, Most of them we haven't turned up in. And it's starting to become a bit of a downward trend that we're bottling finals and not performing in finals. Now, we're not Spurs here. We're not Arsenal. We're Chelsea. We are supposed to be big game players, a big team. And in these big moments, we normally perform. And recently, we haven't. And it's becoming a bit of a worry now. Now, I don't think there's much in it in the game. I don't think Leicester were that much better than us. I think there's very much a stalemate. Um, and if you compare two games where we beat Leicester, I think it was much better in the second game. Um, the game got decided on a wonder goal. But it's annoying that we didn't turn up until the last 10 minutes of the game when we was 1-0 down and chasing the game. There was too many points where the ball was being moved too slowly. Our decision-making was way too poor. Our attacking play was very one-dimensional. You know, it was, it, it's, it was a real frustrating game. And look, look, fair play to Leicester. You know, terrific goal. Brendan Rodgers did an amazing job. But to lose in the way we did... And the performance, it was just left a real sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I, I've got a, I've got a few things about this game that really annoyed me. Before kickoff, turning up in tracksuits again, second year running, <laughs> that that really annoyed me because it, especially when you're playing a team like Leicester, they are going to make it a massive occasion because it is it's a it's the biggest occasion in their recent history. So. You, you, we have to match that, and I don't think we did. I thought it was the same last year. I thought the game seemed like it was a much bigger game for Arsenal than it was for us. And then we turned up the same this year with that sort of attitude of, this doesn't really mean a lot to us, but it, it meant everything to Leicester. And the game played out that way. And oh, the I said in the group chat about starting, we're starting on this trend now of, of, of bottling finals. But I don't think it is necessarily that. I've, you know, now I've had some time to calm down. I think what it is, the thing that concerns me the most about this squad is they seem to freeze on the biggest stage. I think it's more that than actually bottling it because we didn't put in a terrible performance. The performance was okay. It was it was mediocre at best, but we had those moments in the game where we could have we could have won it, we could have equalised, and we didn't. So it wasn't a terrible performance, but you look at what this squad can do 
Man City away. Leicester on Tuesday that we're going to talk about in a bit. Real Madrid over the two legs. They can turn up and play big games. But can they turn up and play big games when you only have one chance at it? See, like all league games, you get big league games, but you know it that one game isn't going to define your whole season most of the time, unless it's the, the last game of the season. And, you know, the Real Madrid games, you know it's a two-legged tie. So unless you have a terrible performance, then it's not going to be over after leg one. It's not, you know what I mean? So mm, when... Yeah. But then a cup final is that game. You've got that game and that's it. That decides whether you win the cup or you lose the cup. And these players seem to freeze in those moments. The the safe passing was back. No one wanting to make a mistake. No one wanting to drive the team forward. We created very little. I, I understood what Tuchel was saying afterwards about, you know, we had the chances. But did we really create anything? I mean, the Mount volley was the best chance of the game an unreal save by the way but it wasn't a chance created it was a hopeless ball thrown into the box that ricocheted around and fell to mount's feet we wasn't we didn't create anything even the chillwell goal that was ruled out it was just a long ball forwards that he got in on and it ended i think the defender kicked it against him in the end and it went in so we didn't really create anything in the whole game and it it comes down to the fact that i don't think we've got a player who in the biggest games at the most crucial times is brave enough to take the ball and win us the game. And I think that's what we're missing. I mean, I came away feeling that we could easily have bottled the whole season. And I mean, bottle it, you know, to be that close and end up with nothing. It'd be horrifying, you know, and if we were to, I'd I'd never want to see another fan giving stick to the likes of Spurs for bottling because you think, well, you know, really us? You know, that's not us. We're a cup final team. We always have been. I mean, I do want to add a cup goalkeeper. Fuck that. I don't like it. You play your best 11 in the final. I'm sick of the idea that we have a keeper for the cup competitions. That's fair enough when you get to the get through the earlier rounds. But when you're in the final, you play your best 11. That's it. I've never known this cup goalkeeper bullshit. I don't know what you feel on that, but... Yeah, no, I totally get that. And I think Mendy should have started. Um, I don't think... Looking back at the time, I thought, would Mendy have saved that shot? I don't know. I think I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to Kepa and say that it was a really good goal by Tillman's. I mean, it's because they Uh, keep going on about holding his value. Kepa's value. I mean, Kepa's value is tanked. We know that. Yeah. We're not getting close to 70 million back for him. But end of. Would Mendy have changed the game in any way? Hard to say, isn't it? It it is hard to say. Would the defenders have performed any better? Again, hard to say. I don't think we actually defended that badly. You could say Thiago Silva or Jorginho should have done better for, for the goal. But as a whole, I thought we commanded Leicester. Like we marched them really well. Um, it's all well and good now saying, oh, Mendy should have started. But would it make that much of a difference? I don't know. Yeah, I, get... I agree I agree that he should have started. But, you know, it's one of them where I, I... don't actually think it would have made that much difference. Yeah, sorry, Beth. I just think with the cup, with the cup goalkeeper thing, I understand where you're coming from, but Kepa, to be fair, under Tuckle really hasn't done anything wrong. So mm. I didn't look at the team sheet and think, oh God, that's going to be a problem. Like mm. I've seen some some sort of freeze frames and that on Twitter with people where they've paused the TV as it's going in and they're saying, oh, add Mendy's reach on. And, and he's you saying, can make them look like anything, can't you, yeah. one way or the other? The, the speed that Tillemans hit it at as well, you know, it wasn't a floated ball into the top corner. He, he proper put his foot through it. 
it was traveling at, at some speed I actually think defensively we defended okay. Kepa didn't really do anything wrong. I don't think he's at fault for the goal. I think that's Jorginho and uh, Thiago Silva who are at fault for the goal, really, after the the poor Reese James pass into midfield. I think the main mistake that Tuchel made was uh, Marcus Alonso. I think mm. I, I was I was sat watching it with my uh, my dad and brother, and the start of the second half, Leicester really started coming at us. And it must have been five minutes or less before the goal. I said to my dad, he needs to take Marcus Alonso off because they are starting to cause us a lot of trouble down that side. Now, the goal didn't come from there. But you could just tell that that gave them confidence that they could get at us. That Rudiger-Alonso channel wasn't working. And he he took a real risk there playing Marcus Alonso. And he was obviously saving Chilwell for the game on Tuesday. But... I, I, I just think you forget that Tuesday is a big game in a cup final and you if your best team's available, you play them. This is why the FA Cup should still be at the end of the season. You know, not we'll tank we'll put it on three. I know there's been a pandemic and I know we've got a lot of games to go through, but the FA Cup was always at the end of the season and this is how yeah. it plays in. You're starting to think of the next game instead of oh, obviously we'd have had the Champions League, but that's that's not the point here. It would have been, oh, that's our final game of the league season. I mean, Leicester weren't amazing on the day. I mean, they had a couple of good counters, but we were dominating possession. You know, you had Werner and Ziyech kind of felt like Leicester's defence had them in their pocket. I kind of felt Werner couldn't outpace Fafana, so he took yeah. long shots at top of the box. I mean, he, he couldn't even get them on target, bless him. Uh, Ziyech was being involved in the short passing, as we all know. A few looping crosses, no one there. Uh, we, we didn't have many counter-attacks to sort of spray that ball out as well, which kind of dampened on us. I mean, honestly, I think Giroud and one of Adoy, Hudson Adoy and Havertz, or maybe even Pulisic starting, would have worked much better. And still, yeah, you could have subbed them on a bit earlier. We, we, we always say this. We really do. Um, I'll come to this bit. Our home Simpson of the week is VAR. Controversial is a fucking understatement for that game. Tillerman's goal, like it or not, was fair, guys. I'm sorry I know some fans are thinking it wasn't. It is because I did look into this before I decided to lose my mind. It does state in the rule book that accidental handball in the build-up doesn't rule a goal void. This was changed back in March of this year, which in itself is annoying because you've changed the rule mid-season. But yeah, it is what it is. I don't agree with changing rules mid-season because it kind of questions the other games, whatever. And then in the 90th minute, Chelsea score. It's ruled out by millimetres. Yes, these are two decisions that have gone against us, which stings, but... VAR was brought in to make the game better and it kind of makes it feel like the game is now much worse. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not someone who was annoyed that a heel was offside or an armpit. It's clear errors. Like Bamford, you know, he had his arm offside and you'd argue, well, it's offside. But it was then said if the board struck his arm, which was offside, wouldn't have counted as a goal. So you sort of think this isn't what we wanted this technology for. How do you feel about VAR? Yeah, get rid of it. I, don't, I just hate it now. I mean, look, Ben Chilwell is technically offside. I get of that. Of course, of course. But it's so stupid, I mean, isn't it? It's ridiculous. I mean, no one's at level anymore. I, I just think that he's it, getting no sort of benefit. Or he's getting no advantage from being like a millimetre offside. Like I think it was actually his hand that may have been offside. He's getting no advantage from that. I think if sort of if there was no VAR and there was sort of, you know, the linesman didn't give it, and like we did score that goal, I don't think Leicester fans would be like, "Oh my God, that is a terrible decision from the linesman. How could he not see that?" 
you know, it's, it's not a clear and obvious error. Uh, clear and obvious, clear and obvious <laughs> error. Um, so it's like, it's just killing the game. It really is killing the game. I don't get it. I really don't get it. There's a couple of uh, ones in the in the other game that just baffled me. And uh, like, I was all for it when it came in the World Cup. I thought, yeah, it worked really well. It was implemented now, different. Though. Yeah. After a couple of seasons in the Prem, I just feel that it's just not working. It's killing the game. It's killing the atmosphere. You're scared to celebrate a goal now, and and football shouldn't be like that. Football should be about sort of the lows and highs, yeah. But don't take away the glory from someone just like from a millimeter being offside. You know what it's, I mean? Yeah, it's one of them that I know every fan listening, Chelsea fans, and if you're not a Chelsea fan, hello. But um, uh, no one, if that was against us, so that's Leicester score that. I don't think a single fan would have gone that offside. You go, oh, it's level. Oh, that's annoying. You take it. You wouldn't if it. Obviously, if it rules in your favour with VAR, you'd have probably gone, oh, we got away with one. And that's the point. It's, we got away with one there, instead of, that's clearly unfair and a wrong decision. But, Chris, final words on VAR? I think I've said it before. I don't have a problem with VAR. I think the, the main problem with VAR, that, let's get it straight, the technology works perfectly. VAR, as, as a technology in football, works as good as goal line technology does. How we apply it doesn't work. And I think the main problem that we've got in this country is VAR has highlighted two things. One, how stupid the offside rule is, that it gives no benefit of the doubt to anybody. You know, there's that using freeze frames, but it's not at the exact point of contact on the ball. So if you're talking millimetres, then if you can't have the exact point of contact on the ball, you can't give someone a millimetre onside or offside because you don't know exactly when that ball was kicked. The offside rule as a law in the game needs changing. And then I think once they get the law right, I don't think anyone then will be moaning about VAR giving offsides because everything they give will be a, a clear offside. And it's highlighted how poor our officials are. Everyone agreed that referees had really difficult jobs and the on-field referee does still have a really difficult job. But the amount of decisions that someone sat watching replays from numerous angles and in different speeds and they still are getting decisions wrong is criminal when we're talking about elite level officials. They should not be getting decisions wrong when they can watch seven, eight, nine replays in slow motion. Yeah, they no, get in the right decision every single time, and they're not. And that's that is that that is a major problem that the Premier League's got. Our officials aren't good enough, and football in general, the offside rule is just a ridiculous law. And VAR has just highlighted that. That is, I think that's a fair statement to end on. So right, FA Cup done. Now on Stamford Bridge to play uh, checks notes. Oh, Leicester again. Ah, did we get revenge? Chelsea leapfrog. There, Wembley conquers into third place. And if Liverpool win at Burnley tomorrow, Leicester will be out of the top four. You fucking bet we got our revenge. Chelsea four, Leicester one. VAR ruled two out, meaning it was 2-1 in the end. So, again, it's as the fans chanted, fuck VAR. One day, Timo will score. One day. But for now, we took the control. Guys, how hyped were you for the revenge game? And how are you feeling? Are you feeling redeemed from the cup final? Uh, not fully redeemed. I think it's always hard and difficult getting over a cup final loss. Um, I was over it quite quick because <laughs> I was like, I, I was gutted. Don't get me wrong. I was embarrassing how much I celebrated for it to be pulled back every time. But hey. 
No, it's, it's one of them. Um, the performance at the FA Cup final was disappointing. You want to win trophies. We didn't. And obviously, it was a game to get us into the top four. It wasn't a game that sort of would win us a trophy, put it that way. So it wasn't as important, I don't think. But, you know, it was still a really good performance. I thought everyone played well. They wanted it more um, on Tuesday. I think Rudiger was fantastic. I, I think he deserves a shout-out this week because he's been one of our best players since Tuchel's coming, if not our best player. Um, I thought Werner was extremely unlucky. I thought he played really well, really stretched Leicester's defence and gave him a horrible time for the the full time he was on the pitch. Um, and Chilwell as well, I thought he came in and played really, really well. It was a lot better performance because we, we passed the ball quicker. Mount, who was sensational again, I mean, we will say this now, but yeah, he was sensational again. He got into those pockets, he really hurt Leicester. Um, and they just couldn't handle us. First 60 minutes, they, they just couldn't handle us. We did, once they scored, it did sort of change slightly and did attack us a bit more, but I think in the end it was very comfortable. Um, I do think it's an absolute disgrace how we didn't get a penalty. How VAR cannot overturn Timo Werner getting kicked and give a penalty, I do not know because it's a Stonewall penalty oh, every single day. Of the week. I, I don't know how they can't give that. But other than that, you know, and the other offside goal and, you know, the handball that led to a goal, which is totally accidental as well, which, you know, is one of them. Um, it, other than that, it, it was a very good performance and a very good win. Chris? Yeah, I thought we played with a real intensity in the game. We, we started the game on the, on the front foot. I think having the fans back really helped. Yeah. It, was, it was fantastic to hear and see, but it really sort of drove the fans, the, the players on, I think. Um, I think Werner, he looked like a different player to me um, on Tuesday. He really seemed to feed off the fans. And I think that's maybe what, what he's been missing this season. You know, you've got to think this is the first time, I know it's the first time any player really has played in, in, without fans, but it will affect players differently. And I think Timo seems like the sort of player who he will feed off the fans, applauding him for doing something well. You know, when he done that turn in, in centre midfield and everyone was up, he, his game went to a different level after that. And I thought he was incredibly unlucky not to score, but the finish where he was given offside was the finish of someone really confident. He took it, took the touch, and he put it in the corner without looking at the goal. And that, that's the sort of finishes we haven't been seeing from him, onside or offside lately. So it was pleasing to see that, and it makes me more hopeful for what he can do when we you know, have a, a full stadium next yeah. season, hopefully, that it could get the best out of him. I, I thought the thing that annoyed me most about the, the header, well, the, the handball that he put it in with, isn't the fact that, because he, he put it in with his arm, we all know that. But if you're going to draw an offside line on someone's sleeve for offside, then if you look at where it hit Timo on his arm, it hit him on his sleeve and went in. So either we're giving that, either we're saying you can score with that, or you can't, you can't rule a goal out for it hitting that part of his arm, but then give him offside for that part of his arm. You know, that, that really needs clarifying. Is it handball, isn't it? Is it? Because if it's handball, it's not offside then. So that, that's just another law that they need to look at. I mean, they're going to be really busy this summer because they, they need to <laughs> basically throw that rule book out the window and start again. I, I do agree with that. I mean, it was handball. And he, he could be a player that sort of um, thrives off the fans. And that, that's fine. I mean, hopefully they'll be back in full swing in the, uh, the new 21-22 season. 
you know, before the game, I wanted to see some fight from the boys. And bloody hell, did we get some fight? A little fight. I mean, of course, we would never condone things like this. But wow, that passion. I feel more content in saying these players care about that badge. And they care about our, and it is our, club, the fans club. And again, lacking leaders. I mean, I have said it, but that game pushed me toward the conclusion that we do have leaders. You've got Mendy, Rhys James, Rudiger, Thiago Silva. Toward the end, especially in the... Uh, Disagreement, new label for the the fight I'm going to give. <laughs> I mean, I loved how Thiago Silva saw Amate and he wasn't dealing with anything at the time. He was just sort of looking at the players like, come on, we need to separate. Sees Amate, just goes full on. I'm going to scream and let you know that what you did, disrespectful. And I stand by that because what he did in the um, dressing room with our, our pennant, pentant, pennant, yeah, pendant, one of those. Um, look, you can be a sore loser, but you can be a bad winner. And it's just, come on, I know this, we're in the banter age, but it's just, it's a bit like in the NFL. There was a particular player, Juju Smith-Schuster, who do a TikTok dance on the um, badges of when he was in an away stadium. And it caused a lot of uproar. And I get it. It's it's disrespect. And it just comes, it comes across bad. I, I, so, hey, you know, we've also had Antonio Rudiger lead by example. He was man of the match for me. He was incredible. Goal scorer, defensive juggernaut. He even had a few Lionel Messi moments as he skipped past the Leicester midfield and defence. That was absolutely amazing to see. It was like Kurt Zuma doing it, but, you know, with more control. It, it, was, it was really good. Um, what did you take on the, the sort of the fight that we, uh, we, we, we saw in both terms as well? The, the actual fight, but also, you know, the fight in the I actual mean, player. I mean, the, I think they needed to prove a point against Leicester on Tuesday. They needed to prove that, that we're Chelsea. We're better than Leicester. We deserve to be in the top four. We deserve to win trophies this season. Leicester, look, they've seen what Amati did. They've seen how he celebrated. Chelsea wanted to get revenge. And they stepped up. That's, that's as simple as that. They just stepped up. Rudiger, led by example, literally, like you said, a juggernaut. Mountain Thiago Silva, when um, when they saw Amati, their faces were, <laughs> were brilliant. Their reactions fantastic. Mendy just coming, coming into that brawl uh, and just literally <laughs> just trying to steamroll through everyone. Um, Reese James, again, just another juggernaut in defence. There are leaders on that pitch. There definitely is leaders on that pitch. I just think sometimes it's almost the mentality and, and sort of when we go on the pitch, we, we sometimes just think we're better than the opponent when that's not necessarily the case. I think we sometimes take games for granted. Um, and the game on Tuesday, we certainly didn't take that for granted. We stepped up and we showed real sort of passion, which is something that I'm sure the Stamford Bridge fans really appreciated. Yeah, I mean... I also loved Reese destroying the uh, the smaller dudes in the Leicester team. You know, attempted to sort of challenge him, and he's just he's just giving him a look to say, really. I mean, Reese is incredible. Absolutely love him. Um, unrelated, but it's you know I've got I've, I need to clear my head off this game. But Reese James he slotted seamlessly into right centre back, and I think that could definitely help his case because we will be trying to cover the Euro 2020 in 2021 um, from a Chelsea perspective soon, listeners. So we aren't going away for the summer. Um, he's, he's he could help his case to be picked for England, especially if Southgate sticks with that back three. I don't know what you think on his right centre-back role recently. Yeah, I mean, I, to be fair, yeah, I, was just saying, I, I was saying a couple of weeks, no, probably a few weeks ago now, about he's got all the attributes to play there. I think it was not long after Tuchel took over and Hudson-Odoi was playing right wing-back and people were saying, asking the question about what would happen with Rhys James now. Uh, and I think you know, when you look at that right centre back role, you need to be good on the ball. He is. You need to be. You need to have a turn of pace. He does. You need to be strong for those challenges in the channel. 
He is. You need to be able to defend the back post, and he's not bad in the air. He has all the attributes to play there. And I actually think it could be better for him there than right wing back. I think because sometimes at right wing back, he gets caught positionally too high up the pitch. I've noticed that his recovery runs aren't the best when he plays right wing back. He's not the sort of player who, as soon as the ball gets turned over, he starts sprinting back. He, he more jogs back and then waits for it to develop and then puts a sprint in at the end if he has to. And it, with his crossing, I, I just think if you've, if you've got someone who's such a good crosser of the ball, sometimes it's better if they're having the ball rolled back to them to put the cross in rather than him having to go down the side and beat a man to put a cross in. And I think if you've got a right wing back who's going to occupy the defenders and then they're going to get to the byline and they're going to roll it back for Reese James, his crossing's only going to get better, I think, from there. So I honestly do think it, it could be his best position going forward. Mm. Beth? Yeah, no, I totally agree with Chris. I, th- I think he, sort of, he has got all the attributes to sort of excel there. I think when you're looking at an England perspective, if we do go with five at the back, um, I know Southgate in the World Cup chose Carl Walker to play as the right side of centre-back, but I think Bruce James could be better suited to it and then Carl Walker could be the wing-back. Um, yeah. I think Reese James is a bit more disciplined in the tackle. I think Cole Walker sometimes gets a bit caught out on tracking back and gives away silly fouls. I think Reese James is probably a better pass than Cole Walker, if I'm honest. Um, pace up Cole Walker is very, very quick. Reese James probably isn't as quick, but still rapid. Um, and like Chris said, he's, he's good in the air. He's got all the attributes to excel. Then I think if Southgate wants to play that system, I, I think you know Reese James is a very, very good addition to that, that defence because I think. With Maguire, Stones, Cody, Mings, none of them are really the quickest. Um, so it'd be, it'd be good to get a bit of pace in there, really. I think Rich Jones would be perfect. So heading into the uh, the final game weekend, Chris Bailey, friend of the show, dropped a hot question, and I've got to put it forward. He asked, as Villa have absolutely nothing to play for on Sunday, they'll finish 11th, whatever. Is there a chance that they, or could mean that they don't play with the same intensity as us and give us a slightly better chance of winning the game? What are your thoughts? Um, look, I think they're playing without any sort of anything to play for, which is always a good team to play. But I do think it's always a tough game, Villa away, especially the fans there. They want to perform True. with fans, seeing as it's their sort of first and last game back with fans. So I think it will be a difficult game. We have struggled at Villa Park for the most part of the past 10, 15 years. Um, obviously, John Terry being the assistant manager of Villa, you know, he could, he could say a few <laughs> things to Dean Smith. You never know. But look, it's, it's going to be a tough game either way. Um, I don't think we should take anything for granted because we've shown that against sort of the, the games that haven't meant as much, shall we say, uh, this season, we haven't performed in. So we really still need to be our best, whatever team Villa puts, puts out. Agreed. Chris? Yeah, I, I don't think that it's going to be an easy game at all. They haven't got anything to play for but they didn't have anything to play for in midweek when they went away to Tottenham and went a goal down really early on and still won the game. They didn't have anything to play for there, but they still kept going and won the game. Their fans, the return of fans will be a big factor because their fans won't let them just throw in the towel and give us an easy three points. It won't happen. So it's going to be a really hard game. My one concern is a week away from the Champions League final. Does Tuchel see this game as the bigger game? or the Champions League final is the bigger game, and what team will he pick? I'll be really interested at three o'clock on Sunday when the team sheet comes out, who's in it, 
And I think that'll tell you everything. I hope that he's got to take the risk for me and he's got to play our best, what he sees oh, as our, our strongest team. We can't rely on winning the Champions League to get in it. True. You know, no, if, if, if he plays, if he plays, if we play our best team on Sunday and someone got injured, then that is, that is just unfortunate. But you can't think a week ahead. We have to treat this game as our biggest game. And yeah, I think exactly. That's the only no way we win it. I mean, at the end of the day, I'll, I'll end it with, but lads, it was Tottenham. Though I, though I could easily see them taking down Leicester. I really could, because Harry Kane's going for that golden boot, and he wants that golden boot. So you never know. You never know. It could be mad. It really, really could. Um, with that, we've come to the end of uh, another episode of At The Bridge Pod. So it's time for the social media plugs. Uh, where can we find us all? Uh, Christian, will go first this week. Uh, sure. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Chris09Adams, and you can find my blog, which I'm trying to get back up to date with now. The baby's settled in a bit more, uh, at Pitch Pundits. And on Twitter, I'm at Chris Burford. And you can find myself on Twitter and Instagram as that redhead do. But for all things at the Bridge Pod, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for at the Bridge Pod. Drop us a like, a follow, keep up to date on all things Chelsea. And uh, till next time, listeners, that is us signing off.